This is our second annual Foster um, Sunday. And uh, we want to spend some time this morning thinking and praying about this hugely important issue in our uh, city and in our community. If you've been around us any length of time, you will have heard us say that we don't have a vision for a church, we have a dream for a city, that the life of Jesus would come to every single person and every single part of this city and the surrounding areas. And for us, it's really important that you understand that this isn't just a slogan. Like, it's not like when we planted, we kind of sat down and thought, right, we need some sexy tagline that we can say in church. Or we need some values that we can write on a wall. And you ever noticed that? I had a bit of a dig at the NHS. I don't mean that to be, to be bad in the 945. You ever notice in like doctor surgeries or hospitals where they have like our commitment to you values written on the wall? Things like we have a commitment to excellence and respect and being on time and seeing you as an individual and all that kind of stuff. And yet you're kind of sitting there in this absolutely chaotic waiting room where sometimes it doesn't feel like anybody sees you or cares. And you see the big poster and then you're having your experience and you're like, like, these things don't seem to kind of add up, and I understand. I have lots of friends and family members working in the NHS that you guys are absolutely slaughtered and underfunded, and that is why that is the case. But my point is this. It is dead easy to say things or write things, but not actually live things and do things. And so when we say here in the vineyard that we don't have a vision for a church, we have a dream for our city, that is how we are organizing and orientating our entire lives. We are not measuring our impact by what happens here as we gather. We are much more interested in what happens when we scatter, when you go into your homes, your neighborhoods, the places that you work, the friendship circles that you have, how you are joining in with Jesus in your everyday life ordinary. We seek the kingdom and are learning to practice the way of the kingdom wherever we are in our everyday ordinary lives. And the reality is this issue of fostering and adoption, it affects so much of our everyday ordinary here in our city for those that are caught up in it. I want to frame this this morning before I pass over to Amber and Yvette in uh, three passages of scripture. The first is found in Psalm 68. I'm going to read verses 4 to 6. It says this, Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God. In his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. The second text is from Romans chapter 8 verses 14 and 15. It says this. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather... The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And then finally, James 1, 26 and 27. It says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. 
religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The scriptures are saturated with this idea of who God is and therefore what he does. God sets the lonely in families. God by his spirit has adopted each one of us into his family. So we make this transition from orphan to son and daughter. And God says the only kind of religion that is acceptable to him is the kind that leads us to care for the widows and orphans among us. I wonder how do you answer the question, how would you answer the question, what is God like? Like if somebody stopped you in the street and said, hey, tell me what God's like, I wonder what you would say. Maybe a more revealing question is not what you would say, because I would hope all of you would have some nice things to say. We're good at having the right answer here in Northern Ireland often. My kids have this thing going on at the minute where you ask them almost anything and they say, Jesus? Maybe a more revealing question is, when you think about what is God like, how does it make you feel? What does that question provoke or evoke in your emotions? What do you think God is like? I can't help but wonder sometimes what the wider community of Lisburn or the Lagan Valley region would say to that question. What is God like? What is God like? The book of Corinthians, Paul says that we are ambassadors of Christ Jesus. That we are his representative. All throughout the New Testament is this idea that the church is the body of Jesus. This is where uh, this gets a little scary for me as a church leader because the truth is this. If somebody found themselves wandering around Bow Street thinking to themselves, I wish somebody could show me what God is like. It is entirely appropriate that one of us would be able to say, get around Lagan Valley Vineyard and you'll find out. Get around his people and you will see. We were always supposed to be a visible demonstration and expression of the values and personality of God here on earth. The theological term is incarnation. That Jesus came and in the flesh demonstrated what God was like in a way that people could taste, touch, and see. And when he ascended back to the Father, he said, there's one coming that is better than me for you. What could be better than God in the flesh? Like what could actually be better than God made flesh in a person? Can you imagine? The answer is God in all flesh through his Holy Spirit. That our task in the world is to put flesh, blood, and bone on the values and personality of God. 
And it's called the church. It's why we don't measure our success by what happens in here. Because it's easy for us to demonstrate what God is like in here. It's not an overly contested space most of the time. The odd heckler sneaks in from time to time. The real challenge is what do we model out there when we scatter? When we go into our everyday, ordinary lives. So why do we care about fostering and adoption in this community? Well, the simple answer is because God does. Because God cares. Because God sees every lonely and lost child in our city and the world. God has, the scriptures say, adopted us into his family. Adopted us into his family. And there's this principle in the scriptures, beginning in Abraham, running right through the entire sweep of scripture and church history, and it's this, that God blesses so that we can bless. That we are blessed to bless. That is the mandate, that is the thrust, that is the direction. And I cannot think of anything more hypocritical than a church that is willing to receive blessing but not prepared to give it away. And we've done the best we can, I think, to try to model that this morning. Not being overly strategic that it was Foster Sunday. It just happened this was the only Sunday in weeks that Gary could come and be with us. Is there a more appropriate witness to our community of what God is like than to take those children without families and place them within one. I am sure you're, most of you anyway, are aware of the referendum on abortion happening in the Republic this week. And I know this is a complex and difficult issue, but I am praying for a no vote this weekend. But more than the political and ideological debate, can you imagine the tone of this discourse where the church to rise up and united say, we'll take every child that's unwanted on the island of Ireland. We'll take every single one. We, we might, if that were our posture, actually rediscover some of our authority in the conversation where we to be the front of the queue, give us every unwanted child in the country. We'll take them all, and we don't care what it costs. If there is an issue more dear to God's heart than how we treat the most vulnerable in our society, I'm not sure what it is. Here at Lagan Valley Vineyard, we are dreaming of the kind of city where every single child has a loving and supportive family to grow up in. And I know that lots of you in this community are already up to your neck in this deeply significant work. And this morning, we want to honor you 
and celebrate you and support you. Bishop Curry in yesterday's royal wedding preached on the redemptive power of love. That love has the capacity to take the most dysfunctional and broken story and heal it into something beautiful. The reality is there is no greater power in the universe than love. Love overcomes. Bishop Curry declared yesterday, it is love that takes the tired, old world that we live in and makes it new. What if every child in this country knew that kind of love? What if we became the kind of community that learned how to foster that kind of love? God places the lonely in families. By his spirit, he adopts us into his. And he makes it really clear that the only kind of religion he accepts is one that takes care of the orphan and the widow. I want to introduce... Uh, Amber to you in just a second and she's going to lead us in how we respond to this as a community but when we say so cute when we say we don't have a vision for church we have a dream for a city this is what this looks like here's what you need to understand we're not talking about this this morning because Mark and Yvette and Dana and I sat down three years ago and said, what are our strategic objectives for the next three or four years? What, what do we need to really, really prioritize? That's not how we got here. We, we got here because God birthed something in Amber. And she is leading us. And it is our privilege, our job as church leaders, to recognize the dreams that God is releasing over you guys and fan them and champion them and leverage everything we can about who we are to see those things come alive. Starting church programs is easy. Serving a city and a life is complicated and messy and hard. But this is part of what it looks like. Would you join me in welcoming Amber as she comes? Good morning. That's better. Good morning. Um, my name is Amber. And I am a social worker in fostering and adoption. And have been doing that job for about three years now. Today I want to share a little bit of my story as to how we kind of got to this point today and a little bit of what we hope to kind of do and move forward as a church in the months and the years ahead. Um, Last year I took part in a thing in church called Compass. For those of you who don't know, Compass is about seeing what God is doing in your everyday ordinary life and bringing the kingdom to that. It's about seeing how you can get involved in that and taking a risk to see the kingdom come. 
we were asked to write down an impossibility goal, something that you thought God could never, like it could just could never happen in your life. Um, and so for some people in that room, they talked about their family coming to faith. They talked about um, businesses flourishing. For some nurses, they talked about seeing miraculous healing. And for me, my thing that I wrote down that I thought was impossible was that we would find a family for every child in Northern Ireland. That we would find a family who would show a child what love is. Would show a child um, who doesn't have love, who doesn't have family, that they have a father in heaven who loves them. So we were asked to write down like three steps how to get to that place. Like how do you achieve that goal? And for me, I think the only step I actually wrote down was that I was going to pray. And so... On that day, in that little room, I just prayed to God, will you break my heart for what breaks yours? And if I'm totally honest, I've actually prayed that prayer before. I've been Christian for years. But I prayed, God, please break my heart for what breaks yours and give me the eyes to see what you want me to see. And if I'm honest, nothing really happened for a few weeks. Um, Well, actually, I'm I'm a liar. (laughs) Something did happen. (laughs) I have to tell the truth because I shared this earlier. Um, So actually what happened is on the Monday, so this happened on the Saturday. On the Monday I went into work. I thought, okay, I've got the solution. We're going to find a home for every child in Northern Ireland. So I went to the most senior manager I could find at my place of work. And I said, listen, look, I've heard the statistic that if every church in Northern Ireland takes one child into, into their family, we will have no more children needing a home. Like, for me, I was like, that's amazing. We need to target the church. And I was met with not a very nice response and was basically told that the church does not have the answer. But what had happened in that moment was that was what I thought was the right thing to do. I was trying to find the solution, and that's not actually what I should have been doing. So I prayed the prayer again. I said, God, please just break my heart for what breaks yours. And I went away, to be honest, with my tail between my legs like a dog. So... In the weeks that followed, genuinely nothing happened. And I kind of forgot about that whole thing and what happened in this room and praying that we would see children find a family. And then something did happen. Something really unattractive happened. And I started to cry a lot. Like, I mean, a lot. Like, snot bubbles. My husband's nodding like this. (laughs) Every day I came home and he would just look at me and be like, here's some chocolate, please be okay. What is wrong with you? Um... And it, because it was not me, it was, it was different. And I came home completely, I mean completely distraught that actually that day I'd sat in an office while we desperately tried to find a home for three children and we literally had nowhere to put them. We literally had nowhere to put them. And every day I had this pain and this heartbreak that I cannot explain. For anyone who asked me how my day was or how work was, I just cried for weeks and weeks I cried. And I sort of... I didn't really understand what was going on, and I knew that's naive. I just prayed that big prayer, so of course that was going to happen. But actually, God reminded me in that moment, really, really gently, he just said, Amber, what you're feeling and that heartbreak that you're feeling is a little snippet of my heart for these children, that actually my heart is breaking for these kids, that actually my heart is breaking, that they don't know love that they don't know a family, that they don't know who they're called to be, and that that is not okay. It's not okay that we have the highest amount of children coming into foster care in Lisbon than we have ever had before. That's not okay. And in that moment, I just decided, okay, right, God, what do you want me to do? And I started to pray about it and talk to people about it. 
and doors just automatically started to open. I didn't have to do anything. God just started to open the doors. And so I've started to do what I can with what is in my hand about this. This week, I have had the absolute joy and privilege to meet with people in our church family who are already caring and loving for these children. I've had the opportunity to hear their stories and hear their hearts for why they decided to do it. And I just want to take a couple of moments to show you a video of some of their stories. My background is a social worker, that's how I qualified back in my 20s, so I, I worked in various scenarios and worked in adoption, that was my, my last social work job, so that gave me an insight into care and children in care and working with the, with, care, with kids in care. So my story starts um, whenever I was three years old. Um, my sister and I were in a car accident with her mum, who unfortunately passed away um, on her way to hospital. Um, so from this we went uh, into care with our grandparents, between them and our dad. Um, but our dad wasn't a very well man. Uh, unfortunately he had mental health illness, schizophrenia, and he took his own life a year and a half after mum passed away. So we went into full-time kinship care with our grandparents. And then after that also went into respite care every weekend. For me it was just an extension of family. You know, it's not just that you're taking on a foster child, it's you're taking somebody into your family and then they're part of your family and you're doing whatever you can you know, to help them through the things that are going on. So I've been working in foster and adoption for three years now. Um, and over that time, my heart has really been breaking for these children. Um, and when I really started to think about this about a year ago, and I started to pray about it, I really felt God was saying to me that your heart is breaking because my heart breaks for these children. That actually it's not okay that we have children in Northern Ireland who don't have a family and don't have um, a home. They don't have um, somebody to love them and see them through hard times. Me and my brothers grew up um, in a quite traumatic childhood. If twins and I had have had foster care, um, we would have at least had one night a week or one night a month or any time when we felt safe. It's, it's been a role model. Uh, I think for all, all kids need role models and, and especially for a lot of the kids, especially in the care system, they need male role models, um, which isn't always uh, there for them. There's a lot of reward from it. You can see them come in in like their worst kind of state and to see that all they need is a bit of love and attention and routine and they blossom so quickly. We learned a lot. A lot you really in, do. In, in that particular placement, which is a lot about yourself, six months or so. A lot about um, other people and their situations. Yeah. These kids need it and they deserve it. And Jesus knit them in their mother's womb. So we have a little play. So, one of the positive things that's come out of my experience of care um, and for my husband as well, who um, through my own story now has a heart for it, is that. Uh, we're thinking of fostering in the future or adopting in the future. Yeah, you learn a lot more from the kids than they learn from you. You develop a lot more and be a better person. It takes more than one family to change the life of a child. It takes a whole community coming together with one goal in mind to change a child's life, to foster love. Aren't they amazing? You can give them a clap for that.
the people in this video will not want to be recognized or clapped because they just see what they're doing as the heart of the father. But actually, if you're fostering or adopting and you're not in this video or you are in this video, we want you to know that we love you, that we celebrate you, and that we are cheering you on because what you're doing is amazing. And I know um, we're going to show more of these stories in the coming months, but as you hear their stories, I know that there's going to be so many people in this room who are inspired by what you're doing. So I just want to say thank you for that. So many, many people in this room will not be able to foster and will not be able to adopt. In fact, there's probably 95% of the room like, why did I come? It's Foster Sunday. I can never do this. Well, actually, we all have a part to play in this, okay? I know that not all of us can do it, although I would love if we could. But all of us have a part to play in loving these children and loving these families. Like I said in the video, it takes more than one family to change the life of a child. It takes an entire community coming around a child with one goal in mind, to foster love and to foster family. We want to be a community here in Lagan Valley Vineyard that loves these children, that loves these families, and enables them to do that better. Because whenever we care for the families who are doing this, we enable them to love better and to care more for the children in our city, in our neighborhoods, and in our streets that do not know love and do not know family. There are so many ways that we can support people who are doing this. So we really practically want to support people. We are not, this is not about us having a one Foster Sunday a year or one Foster Sunday every six months or whatever. This is about us actually doing something about this. So really, really practical. Um, there's a few ways in which we can support people who are fostering and adopting. And today my question is, okay, can you foster or adopt? But also my question is, what role do you have to play in this, in this story? What role do you have to play in caring for these children? What role do you have to play in caring for the families who love them? This is really simple. It's not, it's not like rocket science. It's cooking a dinner. It's babysitting. It's welcoming the child that comes in through that door and getting to know their name. It's praying for people. It's putting up shelves and furniture in a child's room or safety proof in a home for a foster family. It's about doing a basket of laundry. It's about taking a child out to kick a ball. These are all really, really practical ways that as a church family, we can support and wrap around the people in our church who are doing this. And when we do that, we show that child love. We show that child love, we show that child family, we show them that they are valued and we talk to them about who they are and what they mean. Recently I heard of a church community doing this really, really well. So basically this foster family got a phone call to say that a little six-year-old boy was going to arrive that night. And whenever the family got the phone call, a lady in the church came around, stuck a dinner in the oven and the foster care was able to go get a toothbrush and all the basics that you need for when a child arrives. Another person arrived the night after that that little boy arrived with clothes and with toys because they'd heard that the little boy had arrived with a Tesco bag with dirty, badly fitting clothes. In the week that followed after that, the church family sent text messages and cards just to say to the family, we're, we're, we're behind you, we are praying for you, we are encouraged by you, and we are here for you. On the Sunday morning, whenever the little boy little boy of six who'd never been in a church building, walked in through the door. 
He never experienced family before. People took time to go and say hello. People took time to give him a high five. And in the weeks that followed, that little boy got to learn what a church family is, what a wider family is, that actually it wasn't just his foster family that loved him and cared for him and wanted to see great things in his life, that there was a whole community of people who were loving them. That is the type of community that we want to create here in Lagan Valley Vineyard. We want to create a whole support network around the families who are doing this. So if you're someone who's sitting saying, I can never foster and I can never adopt, I want to really challenge you today just to ask yourself the question, what is my role? Is my role something really simple, like cooking one dinner a month or going and getting some groceries? So on your seats is a connection card. Can you all get them out and wave them at me? This did not go down well in 9.45. Come on. Wow, so much enthusiasm. 10% of you, literally 10%. <laughs> okay, so basically the connection cards this morning, I want you to just take a moment. This is not a big pressurized moment. Don't feel you have to write something down. But I want you just to take one moment to just pray a really simple prayer and say, God, what, do you, what role do you want me to play? What role do you want me to play? Is there any of these things that I can do? And if in that moment you feel that the God has sent to you something about one of these things, I would love for you to fill in your details and just write in the box what that one thing is. Writing in that box what you're going to do is not you signing up and that's you committed for life. It's just saying to your church family, I am in this and I'm going to see where do I have a role to play in it. So we would love for you just to take a moment now just to think and ask the question and fill in the card. Some of you will need a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months to really think what that question means for you, and that's okay. But if you'd even just like to stay up to date with what's happening, then can I also encourage you just to fill in the card and say, keep me up to date. Um, There's going to be people over here that are going to collect those connection cards after the service, um, and we're going to see where we go with this in terms of creating that support for families. And for those of you who have... maybe sometimes thought about fostering adoption, but you've never really quite taken a step. Or for those of you who have literally never thought about it and now your kind of heart is starting to, to move about that, we really want to invite you to a night on the 6th of June. And this is a night basically to come together and hear from some of the people in these videos, to hear their stories and hear what it's really like, to ask some of the tough questions and to ask me some of the questions about the assessment and the process. Fostering and adoption is difficult but it's really not impossible. It's about giving a child a family, about giving a child stability and security. It doesn't have to look like this lovely graphic. It doesn't have to be a perfect two-parent family. It can be whatever it looks like to you. It can be a single person, an older person, people with kids, people without kids. So don't be put off by I'm not good enough or I'm not in the situation. I really want to encourage you, if you've ever just had a thought and want to hear more, please come along on the 6th. Fostering and adoption is about teaching the child who's never been to the beach to build a sandcastle. It's about teaching the child how to read. It's about taking the young person who feels like they're not good enough and they're not worthy, telling them that they are good and that they are valued and that they are loved. That is what fostering and adoption is. There are no unwanted children in Northern Ireland. In fact, there's no unwanted children in Lisburn. There's just unfound families, and at the minute, we need families. 
So if you would like to dip your toe in the water and to see if this might be for you, will you fill in your connection card and just say connection light or you can sign up online. Um, And I just really want to encourage you to go away today and think about that just if you want to come along and hear some more. And finally, those people in our church family who are fostering and adopting or kinship carers, we want to celebrate you. We want to thank you in a really practical way. We're going to have fun and food and just community together. So in June time, we're going to have a big family meal together. And that's just an opportunity for you as well to connect with people who already have the same heart as what you do. So again, if you want to come to that, we want to encourage you to write celebration on your little connection card and we'll send you a personal invite. If today has done anything, I just really want you to ask yourself the question, what role do I have to play? What role do I have to play? If that's all you take from this, I just want to encourage you to go away and ask yourself that question in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. There will be people here after today, just over here, just to talk, ask questions. We have some leaflets about fostering and adoption and all that sort of stuff, so please come and say hello. But finally, I just want to say that I am so excited about this. I am so excited that this church family wants to love these children, that wants to give them home and wants to give them family. So can I just thank you for being part of this church family who wants to do that? And uh, I just encourage you to pray the prayer, uh, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours and see what happens. Um, it's my incredible privilege to do what I do for a job, and that is just um, meeting people who have a dream and releasing uh, them. That's literally what I get paid to do, and I absolutely love that. Thank you for paying for me to do that. <laughs> I have the most amazing job. But I just want to honour Amber this morning and um, and just say that we're so grateful. She, she's, a, she's a good friend of mine, and I just love... Um, over the last three years, I have just loved uh, journeying this with her and um, helping her release this and just enjoy that. And for those of you who have a dream, uh, we want to release that. You go ahead and release that. You have the Father's permission. We're so excited about what the Father has for each of us and our destiny. But let's just uh, stand for a moment and pray for Amber. Uh, we're going to pray for other people in our community now as well. But Father, we just thank you for Amber and for the risk that she's taken, and also for her wisdom and ability to make this so easy for all of us to join in. Father God, we thank you that um, that you speak to her, that you've uh, spoken to her about the calling on her life just to find children homes. And uh, just in this moment, we release new dreams in our community. And we release new dreams in you, Amber, as well, in your life. And uh, we welcome the Father's favor over you. And as you work as a social worker in our health trust, we bless the health trust and we bless social workers in the health trust and we bless those offices and those spaces and we just welcome the kingdom of God to bring wisdom and favor over the roles that you and your colleagues have. And we do invite, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in and through these wonderful people that are finding children home and bringing life to our city. And so we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Um, you can take your seat, but if you, um, 
If you are somebody in our community who um, is fostering, adopting, has a heart for that, maybe you're um, a teacher um, who's involved with families um, that are in care, maybe you are a social worker um, or somebody whose role and life is connected around children in care, maybe you're a kinship carer, maybe you're on the edge of about to apply, could you stand, because I know there's a lot of you, and we're just going to do this family style, we're going to get people to gather around you and just pray for you, so if you just bravely stand up, and Alison Cherith, if you could stand up just to model that, and we just, if there's someone near you standing up, um, some people gather around Amber, I know there's another couple of social workers, be brave, this is not about you saying I'm a hero, but more importantly to our community, to be able to model getting behind what God is doing in our city, so don't think this is actually you're helping to release other people so if you see them could you gather around them just put your hands on their shoulders let's pray for them um i know that some of you are working around families pauline i know that you're doing that let's have you stand just to model this uh, mentoring people mentoring families who else have we got father we just invite your favor on these people's lives, your blessing, your protection, your deep encouragement that only the Father can bring. Father, would you bring energy into their lives? Would you give them good sleep and good rest and the practical things that they need? Would you provide finances for their dreams and their visions? And Father, we just want as a community stand with them and say we are for what you are doing and what they are doing in committing their lives to the dreams of our Father God and living that out in their ordinary every day. And so we invite the supernatural into that in Jesus' name.